Welcome back, everybody. This is Lori here. I have a guest, JJ. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a long while since my last podcast. The world has turned upside down since then. So thanks to all of you who have messaged me asking for some updated content. So here we go. Hi, this is Lori and JJ. We are beginning a brand new podcast together. We just started chatting recently and it's kind of an interesting story. At least it is to us. Hi, JJ. Hi, so excited to be here. We just sort of met. How did that kind of happen? (laughs) Well, I I say I was red-pilled, I don't know, about six months ago and started really waking up and about four months into it, I discovered the flat earth conspiracy. And at first I thought it was completely ridiculous, but the more I looked into it, the more sense that it made. And then I just was hungry for every resource that I could find. Um, I reached out to multiple other flat earthers in the movement and never got a response. And the information is hard to come by because it's so buried and censored. I came across your podcast and binged several episodes in a like two day period of time and just thought I want to get a hold of her and tell her that how wise she is, you know, because you weren't claiming any one specific map or construct. And um, yeah, I was I was so pleased when you responded. Well, and so was I, because quite a bit of time has passed since the last podcast I did with Lawrence on Flat Earth Conspiracy Channel on YouTube. And we did hangouts for darn near five years, talking and chatting and and uh, coming up with ideas about something about this flat earth construct, that, that model that was out in the mainstream flat earth community. It didn't make sense. And so we sort of started questioning the model. It's interesting when you start to question the globe, And you find that it's really kind of pretty much impossible to be that we live on a spinning globe. Right. Then you run into the flat earth community and there is a dogmatic model that most of the flat earth community uses or that this is where we live and this is how it works. And once I started questioning, no, that doesn't work either. Right. Then upon a mission to debunk it, and once you debunk that model, then the next natural evolution is to say, well, then what is it? Where do we live? What, you know, what do we live on? Right. And that turns into quite a bit of speculation and you come to, a, you know, a bunch of dead ends. Not only that, but the community itself got angry and said, why are you debunking this? We're trying to get the message out that, you know, we don't live on a globe and we live, the earth is flat and motionless and so on. And you're making us look stupid. No, we're not making you look stupid. We're just, if you look stupid, it's because it's what you believe (laughs) without question. Right. And so, and so that turned into quite uh, an entanglement because then the flat earth community pressured us And anybody else who says, well, it's not a globe, but it's not that flat circle dome covered model either. So then they're, well, what's your model? Give us your model, smart Alex. And so wait a minute, that's not our responsibility. (laughs) Suddenly, because we question 
the globe model and the accepted flat earth model, now we're pariahs and we're fringe people. And yet, why don't you question the questions and you come up with a model? Right. Because that's what, what science is all about, you know, and they claim that the globe is science when in fact it, it denies so many basic principles that we learn in physics and other things that, um, at this point, I I had sort of that Dunning-Kruger effect where once I first got in and just devoured that model and whatever information I could find, I thought like, oh, I've got it all figured out and, you know, I'm going to be the one to to figure out how things work. And I, I became f- very frustrated with that because it is difficult, but I'm I'm just comfortable with the fact that I don't know what the construct is, but I know what it's not. And that's a place to start, you know? Well, that's a place to kick off into another rabbit hole. Right. And and after I came to that same dead end of a rabbit hole, it was natural for me to to try to fill in the blanks and say, well, you know, then what is it? Also, one of the things that sort of led me into my next evolution, which was what I called, for lack of any term out there that anybody else was using, was we live in a supernatural construct. I became okay with the term construct because it is constructed. It was made. Correct. Anyone who goes into the flat earth dogma knows that so many flat earthers were trying to come up with a model that worked that also did not or did jive with biblical teaching because many people came into it from a biblical perspective. Right. Or... They also just wanted to make sure it didn't go against scripture right. because they already were Christians and they they believed in the Bible as, uh, you know, the inspired word of God and so on. And so why would God, God lie to us? Right. Also, they went into the book of Enoch, which is an apocryphal book and read that. And that's even more supernatural construct-ish. Right. We got like six portals happening and, and all kinds of extra stuff that, you know, we wouldn't be able to observe or explain. One of the things that happened during my previous years of podcasting, talking about the flat earth, well, that all also leads to so many other control lies that governments and science and agencies and all that try to convince you of. And so everything is sort of inextricably tied to everything else. Correct. Right. Right. And And so once you delve into one thing, you want, you're just like, Oh, well, here's another lie and another lie. I know. And I half wished I could shut the door and go back into my ignorance, you know, but it's like, do you, do you want to take the blue pill and and go back? Or do you want to take the red pill and know the truth? And I almost, I just can't resist now as unpleasant as it might be. Part of, the awakening that anybody goes through, I have to throw in the whole concept of critical thinking, which is questioning what you are told or what you have been indoctrinated with or that you think you know. Right. And so once you start questioning one thing, then, you know, of course, once you start questioning and you start talking to friends and family and people that you know, and say, you know, look at what I found and look at look at this information. If they have not been red-pilled at all, 
then automatically conspiracy theory and what happened to you and where's your tinfoil hat <laughs> yeah and why would they be lying to us and who are they and what are, what are they lying about and how it what is everybody in on it and in the whole you know ball of wax comes tumbling down on mm-hmm. you one of the reasons why i started podcasting again is number one, I was very intrigued by you as somebody that I talk with. I'm not that good at just talking on my own or just carrying carrying on a conversation with myself or I don't like sitting down and talking bullet points and getting into all kinds of elaborate research, background information, so on. I am one of those people who just absorbs information and when something doesn't click, then yeah, dig into it. If something truly intrigues me, then I start, you know, researching it like a mad woman. I had some people reach out to me lately and say, when are you going to podcast again? You know, I'd like to hear your updated opinion about what you think, because they know I'm a dig in it researcher. You know, what do you think about what's going on in the world right now? Sadly, once you start questioning the powers that be, then if they start dogging something like they dog the flat earth, for example, then you go, well, if they're dogging it, it must be true. If I'm taking flack, I must be over the target. And so it's just one more evolution of the way the world will operate. So I, I look at it like this. Somebody is always trying to be in control of the way the world operates and therefore the systems and therefore humanity. And so I always look for the bad guys. Consequently, I always look for the good guys. And it's just like any other thing. You can take a hammer and you can hammer a nail with it and you can build a house or you can take that same hammer and you can bash somebody in the head and kill them so it's not the tool it's the user i am one of those people who has been called a conspiracy theorist for years because i've been delving into all these things and trying to warn other people and so-called wake them up then suddenly five years later the things I talked about 10, you know, five years ago are now mainstream and, you know, everybody thinks the same way I do. <laughs> you know, it's not a conspiracy theory anymore. It's a conspiracy fact. The, my whole purpose for podcasting at all is for anybody who's interested in my opinion, and this is the way you should think about it too, is if you're going to make an opinion, you have a responsibility to define it, show your sources, talk about your research, connect the dots, and explain why you don't think the same as mainstream does. So I have kind of a burning question about what, how you found Flat Earth Conspiracy and why why you dug that deep to get to the alternative fringe kind of flat earth (laughs) stuff Um, because it's interesting uh, you know to that audience who who followed flat earth conspiracy for months or years that podcast that group of podcasts had so it has to date had over 12 million listens and downloads on multiple different formats so it isn't that fringe that people dug deeper than the mainstream flat earth content. Right. So 
what tell me what kind of stuff you listened to when you first started digging into it and you know did you investigate the debunking flat earth stuff that's pretty prevalent out there everywhere too yes well i came across the theory first on reddit um which is you know i I don't know about what you think about it but i found out a lot of pertinent information or at least good leads there um and then i the very first thing that I found was the Flat Earth podcast, and I listened to every one that they had. And I, um, but I was noticing when I would Google anything with Flat Earth, the majority of things that come up are, yes, there are still people stupid enough to believe the Earth is flat, or here's why it would be impossible to live on a flat Earth. Those were all the videos and the links coming up. And uh, after I had listened to every like mainstream flat Earth podcast that I could find just by typing in flat Earth, I um, started typing in things like not a globe, uh, we're not on a spinning ball, like anything I could think of that might bring in you know any sort of theory or topic. And I came across yours then, um, but it you know it didn't come easy any of this information really. And then as far as the debunking, I I did look into it only because. I'm a person that wants to feel secure in what I believe or or don't believe. And I wanted to know what are the common attacks or what are the common oppositions that they throw in our path and how do we answer, you know, or or how would I answer if I don't believe the, the construct of a spinning ball of lava with water on top of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a spinning ball of lava. Well, yeah, a hard iron core co- covered by molten iron core, covered by magma, that's, you know, enough to probably boil the oceans, but somehow doesn't. Then covered with a layer of crust, then has water on the top, spins a thousand miles an hour. Like, that's, it's sci-fi stuff, really. Well, and I'm sure you got into the anti-NASA stuff. Oh, yeah. Which a lot of people find first because, you know, maybe they got turned on to it by we didn't go to the moon or look at this pile of curtain rods and foil <laughs> aluminum paper. foil yeah the lunar lander you know that was actually that was actually part of it and an interesting fact my grandfather was recruited to work for nasa in 1967 i believe through 1971 he was incredibly smart um in mensa he went to mit washington and jefferson and then was recruited by them and every time i would ask him did we really go to the moon he wouldn't say anything he wouldn't deny it or confirm just sort of smirked. And I thought that was so odd because it's such a proud accomplishment. If I had had anything to do with something that stellar in human history, I would be like, Hey, did you know I worked on Apollo 11 or whatever to every person I met? And he didn't seem that proud of himself. So I just thought that was odd, but yeah, I did kind of start there. Okay. And a lot of people start there. They they may not question the globe, but they question the space program or the moon landing or, you know, maybe they'll see a meme on Facebook of, uh, yeah, you, you can't get good reception on your cell phone in Montana, but Nixon spoke <laughs> right. to the guys on the moon by using oh this my God. antiquated phone here, you know, right? and there was no lag. You know, now they pretend there's this giant right? lag. That's yeah. what I said. I saw that there was none originally. And now they're like, no, there was an 11 second lag. They just edited it so it didn't look like. And I'm like, really? Because it was aired live. I don't know. It just <laughs> doesn't make sense. Well, I'm old enough to have watched it aired live. Okay. And um, 
you know, I, I, I admittedly was a pretty small child, but at the same time, um, it seemed pretty sci-fi to me watch, you know, watching it and the film footage was so incredibly crappy. Right. And somebody like me who questions everything, um, all the way back to, you know, old enough to remember questioning things my parents told me or rules that they made or right. whatever, you know, I questioned like, who's filming this? You know, if right. this guy is the first guy coming down the ladder, <laughs> right. um, then where's that magic camera coming from filming him? Well, he actually wasn't the first guy. He was the second guy, but the first guy is filming him, you know, just stuff like that. Right. And and then, you know, later when you start looking into things, you get real into it and you start discovering things like all oh, the footage from the early lunar landing stuff is, was all lost by NASA. I believe they and, said destroyed. Or got recorded over or, you know, ruined, whatever. Right, 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 or, right yeah. They had to tape the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? And that yeah, would be all they taped the Super Bowl over it. <laughs> <laughs> and... And so you go, you know, come on, that's just not believable either, because if this is supposed to be, hum, you know, mankind's greatest endeavor in history, right. you would think that it would, you know, there'd be 10 copies distributed over 10 different places and it's archived in vaults and right. then later digitized as soon as you could possibly do that. And, and heavily guarded and protected and... You know, why would you, when they said they destroyed the technology and it would be painful to re rebuild it, it's like if you had kept the tapes or what, like, did they just, they were like, well, that was cool. We're glad we did it. Let's burn it all now. Like, why would well, you not? Not want... only that, but what do you mean reinvent the technology or rebuild the re technology? Exactly. We have more technology on our cell phone. Even an Android Samsung cell phone's got more technology than they use to go to the moon. So, right. And what are they built? What are they building upon? Yeah. Well, and so questioning the moon landings—that's one way people come in. Observation is another one that somehow something clicks in their head by observation alone. Like when I don't feel like I'm moving. So let me go look at that. Mm -hmm. Or I've seen this, the moon up at night when the sun is supposed to be over here on the other side of the globe, but only a sliver of the moon is lit up or on another night, you know, the moon is right there and the sun's supposed to be on the other side of the earth and it's full. And right. so how can the sun be lighting the moon? Well, you go look that up, go Google, does the sun light the moon? And you get this, you know, incredible bunch of mumbo jumbo about apogees and perigees, <laughs> distances right. and seasons. And it's like, answer the question. Right. It's a simple question. Right. And, uh, you know, people that go look out at the at the horizon, you know, I happen to live in Florida with it right at the coast and the Gulf of Mexico, giant body of water and can go look out over the Gulf of Mexico and see a completely flat horizon. And then you start 
digging into, okay, well, so how does that horizon look flat and how do the properties of water always stay flat on lakes or any body of water? And how do you put water on a spinning ball and have it detach and (laughs) gravity and bullshit, you know, gravity, How, how come, you know, um, the water doesn't bulge in a glass or just all of these things. Once you start the questions, just start snowballing until you're completely under the impression that everything, you know, is crap. It, truly. And I had a similar thing with the stars one night, just wondering how on earth, if I'm spinning a thousand miles an hour and then around the sun, it's 66,600 miles an hour. And then we're all moving through at a half a million miles an hour. And then that whole thing is in an ever expanding infinite universe. How in the world am I seeing predictably the same constellations that the ancients have, you know, mapped out star charts and all this other stuff on if, you know, if I'm hurtling in all these directions in an ever expanding universe, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, and how come after According to, you know, the scientism people that we've been here billions and billions of years, and yet none of those constellations have parallaxed and changed their, not only changed their position, but changed their shape. Right. Um, You know, yeah, okay, you're going to tell me that everything is moving at the same speed and so on, but like you said... Even just if you you go if you go look at anything in the Bible to see what the Bible says about it, God made the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens, the earth, the, and put the sun for the day and the moon for the night. And but wait a minute, every now and then I see the moon in the day. But okay, and the, all of that was designed to for us to have a construct of time and right seasons and be able to celebrate the Sabbath and on and on. Right. So if none of that has changed, it sure does seem cyclical, right? Right. Because, you, you know, you can predict by using the formulas that were supposedly handed down by the fallen angels, but even if mankind invented or discovered it in themselves, that not only is all of this repetitive, but you can forecast it way into the future. Right. Okay. Like they've got charts that you can look ahead, you know, 20 years and know when there's going to be a solar eclipse and what day and what place it's going to be seen over the earth. Right. Pardon me for being such a dumb sock for questioning what I, what I'm being told when my logic is screaming at me that that doesn't even sound right. No, not at all. And so, okay. So you started digging around and you found alternatives and you found debunkings and uh, you found digging around flat earth conspiracy podcast. And you listened to some of those. Yes. How did that make you feel about the, mainstream accepted flat earth circular azimuthal equidistant map model with the nice slope snow globe dome over the top to be honest it wasn't my favorite uh 
thought that that wasn't the model because when I very when I did first see the the commonly accepted flat earth model it was very comforting um I felt God really did create us and there really is a meaning and a purpose to all of this and look how neat and clean and perfectly you know circular and everything how how the lines of the flight paths work perfectly on it and things like that so it wasn't a pleasant experience to realize oh, now I have to have questions about this too because we can't prove a 70,000-mile ice wall or the people in the southern hemisphere seeing a different center star or, or whatever. So there are definitely questions. Um, like, like I said, it wasn't my most happy moment, but I would much rather know truth than know what makes me feel good. Well, and it, it agreed. And also one of the feel-good things about that model is especially the snow globe covered version of the circle yeah makes you feel safe protected enclosed nested right comforted because now you don't have to worry about aliens coming in from blowing us apart and you don't have to worry about asteroids hitting the earth and (laughs) right and, and then wait a minute how do you explain satellites and how they move and wait a minute, how do you explain the, you know, the sun going in a circle and why can't people see the sun? You know, it's just this whole nother snowball of questions happens. Exactly. And so, um, so you can imagine the mockery that, you know, I, we, Lawrence and I went through with the flat earth conspiracy, you know, debunking methods because people wanted to believe that that was, they had discovered the truth. Right. And nobody's comfortable not knowing. Right. I mean, it takes, uh, it takes some faith and grounding and, um, and comfort in knowing this is created yet. You don't get to know where you live and how it works. Right. And it's another reason why I evolved into the supernatural construct concept, which you may or may not agree with or wrap your mind around or whatever. But um, at the at, in the later years of the first round of flat Earth conspiracy, because it's coming back again, just like you are, you you can testify to that. Absolutely. New people are coming into it all the time. Right, became the simulation theory. <sighs> the simulation theory was, you know, we live in a computer program, and you know, the world is a hologram, and we live on a holodeck, <laughs> and that the devil is malware, and you know, it's all these kinds of concepts. Uh, but it, it was spurred on by the Matrix movie right. that we live inside of a Matrix. Okay. And I had a hard time with that immediately because just like I did with Concave Earth, and which is another thing that you typically will go and investigate yeah. for a few minutes. <laughs> for a few <laughs> minutes. minutes before few you minutes. go, yeah. no, I don't think so. Exactly. And... Uh, and I took a lot of flack about saying, no, I don't think so. With simulation theory, if all of that were true, then, you know, man, these simulators are good with blood and guts and truly 
plants and growing and you know everything is it's like i i don't think that i just don't think that's possible but i'm not going to completely throw it out because i there's a possibility there's a version of that right that you know god's creation was created analog and man's mucking around with it is a digital version and they can manipulate digital but they can't manipulate the analog original creation Hmm. but living inside of a computer program that just makes us all a bunch of npcs how do you expect to explain spirit and soul and Right. All those things. And am I to believe then that someone is playing me like a character or am I, you know, do you have free will in a simulation? I, I, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around that one. Well, what is free will? You know, how does that work in any kind of a construct? That's a whole nother question for, you know, your <laughs> mind to wrap around. And most people don't want to dig that deep. Their minds really aren't that abstract and they don't really care enough because the football game's coming on right and or whatever and so i gotta work i gotta make a living i got a job i got a family i got kids i gotta think of something for dinner not everybody cares enough to question these types of things a lot of people it actually makes them angry that anybody's questioning accepted science or you know they got all kinds of terms for settled science and all of that which if it's settled you should be able to continually perform an experiment and come up with the same result showing it to be settled i think a good scientific approach is even when you come up with a hypothesis you test it over and over because one time of a positive result does not an entire theory make or or whatever you know why didn't flat earthers do that with the flat earth model you know why didn't they if if it's settled within the flat earth community and the flat earth society and samuel robotham who's been dead a long time and so on why can't it be questioned well anything we, we believe should be honestly or else we're not really looking for the truth at all we're looking for information to plug into a bias we already have. Yeah, and you're looking for a belief system that you can settle in and forget about. Right, which I would be much more comfortable just have staying in the dome world because then at least I had a picture and an answer and now I feel like I've kind of wandered off into this territory where I'm like, well, I don't I don't know what it is, but I know what it's not, you know. People are like, "Okay, have a nice day. We'll call the hospital later to come get you." <laughs> well, yeah, because that leaves a lot of people in a very uncomfortable position of, you know, being in la-la land if they don't have anything to concretely believe in. Right. I often compare it to religions. Have you seen God? No. Do you know that he exists because you've seen, observed, talked to, heard, listened, felt, touched, all of the senses? I'd say maybe felt, but not anything else. Well, well, there you go. You have to have something to base your belief in and your faith in. Right. And it usually takes either a lifetime of, you know, testing, questioning. I mean, how many people do you know that never sat down on or got down on their knees and said, God, give me a sign? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think most people have. (laughs) 
Yeah, if they admit it to themselves, they, you know, most people have. And with, you know, concrete earthly beliefs and uh, worldview, you you usually, like math is, is, is an example, two and two always equals four, unless it's 2.2 and 2.1, then it becomes, you know, 4.3. Right. And so <laughs> is a concrete understanding belief system. Believe in math. If you don't believe in math, then you, you know, then what do you, what do you, what else are you going to use to verify things with? <laughs> right. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of bullshit in math too, because you've got these, you know, people with making these formulas that take up 16 chalkboards and say, there, I proved it. Well, you proved something with numbers, but you can't create anything out of those numbers. And they're not based you can't in reality. Anything physical out of those numbers. Right. So you investigated and then you contacted me. Yes. Uh, and interestingly enough, you didn't even think, you know, you sent me a Facebook message in the inbox as non friend <laughs> that goes into that, you know, ether world of non red messages. Right. But I just so happened to look at those often. Because I get a lot of contacts outside, you know, that are coming in from outside of Facebook, looking me up from podcasting for years and, and other things. And so I, I keep track of those. And then you couldn't believe that I answered you. Not at all. Like nobody else did. Not one Which person. I find fascinating. No, I got called flat tart a few times on Reddit, and then I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. So, <laughs> but all the other, yeah. the real flat earth, like the leaders in the movement, yeah, none of them reached out. Well, flatard is a way to shut you down without actually giving you any rebuttal whatsoever. And so it's, it's a non, it's a non starter. I, I know it's like an ad hominem attack and yet, you know, it's still smarts, I suppose. Well, at the beginning of or the end of 2014, early 2015, there were flatards and globe tards, <laughs> flatheads and globe, globe heads. They each mimicked and mocked and made fun of one another and attacked and got in groups and battled, you know, and 90% of the time it was just like you said, ad hominem attacks, no real science was going on. Right. Think about like yourself, intelligent. There's a lot of intelligent people. There's a lot of tards out there, period. <laughs> you know, we all know that. There's a lot of intelligent people out there questioning things. Right. And to be mocked, humiliated, made fun of, the reason why that happens is because that's what the media and the uh, science community does if you question them. Right. And so they're sort of the playground where everybody goes to see what's going on in the world, whether it's a Facebook newsfeed or a morning television broadcast or whatever it is. When they talk about a topic, number one, they give it a full, what, three minutes is a big segment. <laughs> and how much can you say? Right. And a minute of it is the setup for how stupid this person is that they're about to have on who's going to explain why the earth earth is flat or it's not a globe some of the top names in flat earth community went on all kinds of programs trying to get mainstream news coverage of the flat earth phenomenon only to be mocked and ridiculed and called a you know flat hard and and basically was brought on for the entertainment purposes 
and you know the whole time i'm sitting in the background questioning why do you people even think for a second that you're going to get anywhere with mainstream their job is to keep you indoctrinated right and to manipulate your your mind to not think outside the accepted box right why are you even trying to do this you're just making it worse and it's sort of the um analogy of of casting pearls before swine not to sound Mm -hmm. you know uppity but I'm not interested in just haggling back and forth with somebody that just wants to be proven right I want to deal with somebody that at least has facts and if even one glober had had uh, explained something to me in a kind manner I would be more inclined to have not even looked any further into flat earth but because of how vehemently they uh, came against me with just one statement um i just it was like okay there's more to this than just a, a silly conspiracy because what if i believed i live on you know the back of a turtle or the top of a pyramid what threat is it to them if there's nothing to it um it, it wouldn't even need to be so violently opposed well exactly and just like the model that i started debunking and I feel sufficiently debunked, so I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) But uh, the whole idea of the comparison of, let's say, for example, how many times in your life do you think you've heard the song Hotel California? You lost count, right? Yeah. Well, I lost count of how many times I saw that that flying disc through the air with the waterfall and the side and the cat pushing, you know, stuff off the the flat, The cats would have pushed everything off of it by now. Meme. I'm undaunted by any of that because that's cute and funny and all that stuff, but you didn't actually improve your case (laughs) at all with that. Nor did they obviously look into anything. It's always the same questions. Well, do you believe the other planets are flat? And yeah, what keeps the oceans in and all that? Well, why do you think so much of the dogma exists? Like, what keeps the oceans in? If If the water's all flat, like, you know, it is in a glass... And, you know, it seeks its own level and so on. What keeps it from falling off the edge? Enter the ice wall. Right. You know, that's that's where that came from. Somebody came up with an answer for why the water doesn't flow off the flat earth is the ice wall holds it in. And then they'll show you a picture of, a you know, maybe a few hundred feet or even a hundred miles, I think the ice wall that is, they show these pictures of is uh, maybe five, maybe 500 miles long or something like that. The Ross ice shelf, right? Which is like 200, supposed to be 200 feet high. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a part of the shelf that exists. that's 200 feet high, but are you going to tell me it goes all the way around the perimeter of this circle and map and, that would mean that it would be 60, 70,000 miles around based on all of the other calculations of the size and area of the earth. And, oh, but then Captain Cook and he went, you know, sailed around it and he kept a diary and so on. Okay, well, let's just go look at Captain Cook's journeys and <laughs> expeditions and, oh, wait. He went what everywhere. Was he doing up in, in the Arctic? And what was he doing bopping around all these islands? Well, of course he traveled a long time and a great distance. 
but he wasn't just merely going around the circle of Antarctica, on and on. And so each one of these arguments that they throw down for dogma as an explanation for how this model works can be debunked. Yeah. Independently, you know, and so when you add up all the debunkings, well, you know, way too much of this model is impossible. Right. Just like way too much of this flying globe is impossible. And what you see up in the sky, you know, people say, well, if, if those are round spheres, you know, why is the earth flat? Well, number one, you don't really know if it's, if it's a sphere or not, but even if it is, that has nothing to do with what you're you're on. The pool balls on the pool table. Okay. Exactly. The table is flat, but the balls are round. I mean, you know, come on, I can come up with as much bogus dogma as you can. Right. It continues the questions. Okay. Yeah. Now where you finally come to is I still have questions about everything. Yeah. More and more than ever before. Yes. I am more confused now than I was before I started looking into it. (laughs) Truly, yeah. Then you start, you can't help it. You start looking into other things or YouTube or podcasts or websites start throwing other links at you for things that they've looked into also, right? Right. And so you go checking that out and then that's what leads you into... You know, either you went to 9-11 first and then came to Flat Earth or you went to Flat Earth and found out 9-11 or however it works. Right. There's a whole sequence of things to question. Right. People say, I got better things to do with my time. Yeah. Or. What does it matter? I would rather be satisfied knowing, you know, being comforted by a, a soft lie than by agitating my and frustrating myself with all this digging around that you appear to be so enamored with. Right. Or forcing myself to actually do any research of my own. It's so much easier to accept that other people have already found this out. And now all I need to do is learn what they've already found out rather than experiment and learn myself. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's just school, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's just going to school. It's just a different kind of school. Yeah. And, you know, compare it to philosophy, for example. Most people wouldn't spend five minutes digging into philosophy, whether it's <laughs> old or new. Right. Because most people just makes their eyes roll back in their head. And it's easier to go turn on the TV and watch a new episode of your weekly show. Yes. is I call that escapism. Which I do some of, I'm not going to lie. We all do. You'd blow your brains out if you didn't. Right. Once you have a question, or once something doesn't sound right or feel right in your gut, you you only have two options. Go dig in and, and try to learn about it. I mean, how many things have you learned about that you didn't know anything about by this red pill investigation? I, I feel like I've had a very accelerated program from like okay lunar landing and then we have the flat earth and then we have the antarctic treaty so there's definitely like a group that's the powers that be and who are these 13 families then we get into project mk ultra and project monarch and operation paperclip and then we have tartaria i mean god knows i i've touched on so many topics in the past (laughs) two months that i didn't think would be interconnected at all only to find out 
maybe there's something to all of it, you know? Well, they say the victor writes the history, right? Yes. So that's not always the case. The strongest power writes the history. Hmm. And there have been many times recently, um, like, for example, I'm sure you've heard of Mandela Effect. Yes. There have been many times recently where I know I saw something or I know I read something or I know that Google used to say this or Wikipedia used to say that. And then suddenly now uh, uh, some word is defined differently or some map is changed or some historical information is different. And you go, wait a minute. Right. That's not what I remember. Ascribing new value to words is really a huge thing too. Like the difference between the 1828 original Webster's dictionary and some of the definitions we have today are like, whoa, it it means nothing like what it was meant to mean anymore. Um, So yeah, if they can do that with words, of course they do it with, with history and, and links on, on websites. That's even easier to put it up and take it down or a Wikipedia that anybody can go on and edit, you know, it's, it could go a lot of sure. ways. Okay. So, and also hide. Google can hide whatever they want. You can go dig for, you know, for your life's worth uh, for search terms and so on. And if you've got the patience to click through to page 20 <laughs> to find it, right. which most people won't, right? Right. They of the people never make it past the first search page Hmm. of anything they look up. Hmm. I don't have the statistical data to back that up. That's speculation on my part, but, and I may be exaggerating by a few percentage points, but not much. I I don't know that I've ever gone past page one or two of a search and very rarely past page one. Well, you will now. Oh yeah. You're that you got that red pill. Oh yeah. I was prior to this. Yeah. Because, yeah, because that's how you that's how you do the subterfuge of information. And that's how you let's say, for example, very few people know about the Wayback Machine. I've never heard of it. All right. So it's it's a website that takes snapshots of web pages and articles and maintains them in a in a library that if you went to a web page, you know, three years ago and you remember seeing something and you go there now and it's all different with the information you a lot of times you can go in the wayback machine and and look it up from the date that it was published originally because how many how many websites do you go to where you read an article and it'll say originally it was put up there in March of 2018 and updated. Yes. My favorite new term. Yes. Updated means altered. They altered the content. Right. And how much easier is that to do with mostly digital content? It's just a click on a screen and then, you know, an upload. Whereas in the past, if they wanted to change something in, in a sacred text or whatever, they'd literally have to confiscate all the old books, rewrite them, reprint and redistribute and now it, it just seems so much easier to, you know, mess with people and mess well, with information. And that's happened. Yeah. They have burnt books throughout history. Yeah. You watch any futuristic dystopian movie and 
one of the most proud things that is owned in the movie is the library. Mm -hmm. We've got these hundred books left from before the reset. Right, right. <laughs> before the government broke down or or the power grid went off or whatever right. the dystopian futuristic concept <laughs> thought is for that movie. The reality is, though, history has a purpose if it's real history. Hmm. So that, A, you don't repeat mistakes that you made in the past. If it's altered, what good is it? Because if the present is based on altered past, mythology passed down oral stories from tribes and groups, how much of that has been altered? Well, for the most part, some of this oral history has made it through generations and generations pretty intact. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Because it's trusted to the next person to get it exactly the way we tell it. Right. You start digging into history and you find, you know, just stupid stuff like... <laughs> Yeah, the slaves dragged these stones for miles and built the pyramids out here in the middle of the desert. <laughs> slaves, come on. There were giants in those days. It right. says it in the Bible. Right, right, Why right. Why are you making a stretch to put... <laughs> I don't know. Thousands of slaves. What's wrong here? Why can't you say it was giants? Hmm. What are you hiding? What does what does the presence of giants need to be? Why does that need to be covered up? That's a good question. Why? I, I mean, I don't know. Then you start looking into giants, and you you know you start looking at old buildings prior to the last reset, and they've got these giant big front doors. I've, I've seen that. Heck? Yeah. Why are the buildings so big and the doors so big? I mean, who decided what? architects and designers of the day and it and it's not just in one country it's all over the place right okay? it's in all countries giant big doors giant domes giant obelisks giant mega monolithic stones laying on the ground discovered blah blah right well, um, what would be their purpose do you think in hiding giants i mean that just just giants in and of itself seems sort of innocuous. The Bible says that the giants were the sons and daughters of the Nephilim. So in essence, they're covering up giants to obscure like Cover the validity the of the Bible. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. It aligns right with their little code of ethics. Well, there might be Nephilims today, but they're just not giants. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So let's not speak of giants. Just like, let's not speak of aliens, right? because there's going to be, you start talking about aliens and you're going to have people who are biblical scholars who are going to go, there's no aliens. Those are, those are fallen angels. Those are demons. Those are whatever, right? Yeah. All the blah, blah, the new world order and the lizard people. <laughs> you know, these are all lizard aliens. Well, if you don't know, because you haven't sat down and have a conversation with one of those lizard aliens. Right. Who, who is being covered up with some kind of a masked, cloned body to be able to be in our world and manage controlling things. But underneath it, there is a lizard alien. Right. Well, then somebody go 
and run up and rip their mask off or something. You know, if you really want to know, you got to do some observation. Truly. If it, if you, if it gets you arrested, so be it. We'll all bail you out if you expose the first lizard person. <laughs> right. I want to see that. I really do. I mean, I've seen some videos on that, the, the you know, people with the shape-shifting eyes and, but it's always like, oh, it's Justin Bieber and Beyonce and like Vladimir Putin and watch their reptilian eyes shift. And it's like, again, back to the special effects and on editing, video. you know, it's like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not impressed. I've seen all of the movies. You can make it look like the earth is splitting. They did the movie, The Ten Commandments, how long ago? And they made, they had, there was incredible special effects in that for that time. So it don't, it doesn't impress me, your videos, you know? That's back to the analog and digital. Okay. Right. I'm, I also um, want to make it clear, though, I'm not denying that it's a possibility if, you know. Well, fine. And I'm not either. <laughs> but right. I haven't gotten my eyes on. Do you know, I, in, in my entire life, I have never seen a UFO. Nor have I. Okay. And I've never known anyone personally who was abducted by a UFO. Nor have I. I know you hear tons of stories about it. I mean, tons and tons of people have told their story. Okay. I, you know, I believe you believe it. Right. But I don't believe it until, you know, or I believe there's a possibility something else happened, like CIA or some other clandestine. Right. Or you were hitting the tequila a little early on a Saturday morning. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I'm not laughing them off, just like I don't want to be laughed off for what I, you know, say, but... I'm just putting it out there that I have not witnessed that myself. All I've ever seen is photographs and video footage of so-called flying saucers or alien craft or whatever. Right. It's all I've ever seen. And I don't trust any of it, you know, a hundred percent because I, I didn't see it for myself. So. Right. And I know how good Photoshop people can be. And I know about deep fakes and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm underwhelmed with video same. footage. Right. And, and if, you know, the government or whatever wanted to scare us all into submission, an alien attack would be an excellent way to do it. There's plenty of reason to believe that some of the UFOs people have seen are just high tech military, you know, planes or, or whatever you call them, drones. It's not outside the realm of their construction abilities. Well, look at it this way. There's a whole lot of technology that we have that we have no explanation for how we achieved it. Hmm. Now, to extrapolate on that, I'm, I'm saying that it's either the possibility that angels are fallen angels or something outside of our construct imparted that information it's all in the bible that says you know the fallen angel angels gave mankind the ability to knowledge of weapons and how the constellations and astrology and right. all astronomy and all that stuff that you know and makeup for women and it goes on and on the list <laughs> right of technology and knowledge that has been passed down through fallen angels. And I don't think for a second that that ever stopped anywhere along the line. True. What if Tesla was visited by an angel in his dreams, either a benevolent or malevolent angel? I don't know. Yeah. But for one guy to come up with some pretty amazing 
way outside the box kind of thinking suddenly and then more on top of that and on top of that which i do understand technology the understanding of new tech brings on an understanding of other but my point is uh are you know could we all be being manipulated yeah oh yeah could the powers to be be being manipulated by outside forces uh sure is there a reason why they're the governments are so adamant about no 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 there is no aliens there's no you know ufos yada yada yet you've got whistleblowers all over the place in the military and other places saying oh yes there is i witnessed it right i i feel like someone told me they've come out recently and said yes we're aware of aliens or ufos but just haven't gone into much detail on the topic and i could be incorrect but well look at it like this if you were going to if you had this knowledge and you were going to impart this knowledge to to humanity yes and you had the option to say a it's fallen angels or b it's aliens but they're good aliens <laughs> which one are you going to which one are you going to trust humanity with this with this knowledge it's probably good aliens yeah you know why it's more palatable because no one wants to believe you know even though you and i do that there's demons and evil and satan and so on uh at work in the world right neither one of them are we capable of controlling right except most christians would say oh yes we can you invoke the name of jesus and yes you know, rebuke or cast out and you're safe if you believe it right leave it first because they could laugh at you and go jesus doesn't know you <laughs> oh, that's my worst fear in the world yeah <laughs> okay would that jesus is supposed to be an earthly uh you know he came to earth and and the whole story did he go to other planets and do the same thing i don't and believe so but shaped like one of them and you know die for their sins and be resurrected and go back to heaven probably not that's not in our bible anyway and so would would the name of jesus christ did i rebuke you work on aliens right no probably not Although, like I said, never seen one, never felt one, never felt the presence of one. But I certainly have felt the presence of demons. Me too, and and angels. And I, you know, again, I've, I was raised religiously, so the concept of God and evil and all that has sort of always been in my paradigm. I don't know what I, what I would believe if I were raised atheist or, or agnostic. Um, but I don't understand why it's so difficult to, like, why is it so much easier to believe in aliens I mean, essentially, fallen angels would be alien to our sure Earth, would. right? So, Extraterrestrial. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't understand why it's so hard to understand that maybe in the spiritual realm, we could apply a scientific principle of maybe not an equal, but definitely an opposite reaction. We know there's love, so there must be hate. We know there's good, so there must be evil. Um, I don't understand why it, you know, it's difficult to conceptualize that. But again, my paradigm is way different. So I need to be more understanding when I bring these things up. Well, I'm completely understanding. But at the same time, um, I'm not going to stop saying or believing what I think. Yeah. Because it's not going to be accepted by somebody else. Well, surely you know, not. I, look, I, look at what I'm you're doing. Capacity. 
I'm sorry. I say, I'm surely not. Your whole podcast is about these unpopular, you know, you're obviously not afraid of being unpopular if it's in the pursuit of truth and will help someone. What is it? I mean, like, how does it physically or even emotionally or mentally hurt anyone for me to have a different opinion and to, you know, ascribe it to my research? I don't know. I mean, it's not like, you know, my opinions are, are bullets or knives or, or anything, you know, I'm, I mean, show me on the doll where I hurt you. Right. Um, and, and so people do get really, really aggressively angry though, when, I mean, I have just like, I've gotten wonderful, nice messages from people over the years thanking me for doing podcasting and putting my views and my thoughts out there and having a platform for them to hear it and listen. And I'm obviously not the only person they listen to. They freely listen to whoever else. Yeah. But at the same time, believe me, I've gotten my fair share of hate messages too. I'm sure. I mean, you're an idiot, you know, please don't breed. Um, wish you were never born. Right. All, all that you'd probably and, forget to breathe if you if you know if your body didn't do it automatically and all that yeah yeah and so um I don't take that personally because I you know I wasn't personally talking to that person right <laughs> and, and let me clue you in there's this thing called the off button turn <laughs> it off right you know, if it emotionally bothers you because it shakes your worldview then uh, it's not because I'm stupid. It's because <clears throat> I think differently than you do. Right. Which they can either respond to with anger, which means it it excites something in them, whether that's negative or positive, or they can respond with, you know, research. When you go to, if you start as debunking the globe, right. then that's its own singular, you know, concept. Right. It just so happens to bring you into alternative models. These other realms, yeah. Yeah, flat earth, concave earth, simulation theory. All, I mean, there's a bunch. There's a lot I haven't even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Many people lose interest in, in you know, the search after they go and look into flat earth and see that model that has been debunked and and give up on the whole thing. And maybe don't go back to believing they're on a globe, but they just lose interest because it wasn't enough for them to, you know, completely debunk the globe or everything else they've learned. Right. Or in all actuality, a lot of people are, I'm not saying a lot of people are stupid, but there are a lot of people that don't actually understand the very theories that they spout. So they're more comfortable, again, to regurgitate something that's already been quote unquote settled than it would be to even try to actually apply it for yourself or think it for yourself. Like if you believe in the globe, try to prove the globe on your own with no, no reference to NASA, no reference to, you know, just do it like the old school people did. And you should be able to, if it's settled. And I think that's where I was trying to come from. Exactly. And that's a perfect explanation. And I couldn't say it better. And, and also, you can debunk the flat earth without debunking the flat the fact that it's flat. You can bunk, debunk the flat earth model, the 
flat earth society, the Robotham, the top flat earth channel speaker, bloggers, whatever, but it's still flat. Right. And it still observes as flat. Right. Okay. And the curvature formula still doesn't work. No, it can't work. Just like the, okay. But back to what you said just a second ago, the regurgitation method, learn and regurgitate. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that the way we're trained to in schooling? Absolutely. Repeat after me. If you want to pass this test and you want to, you know, proceed to the next grade, you will learn this information and you will be able to regurgitate it. But you only have to learn it long enough to regurgitate it back on a test. True. Yeah. And you can forget about it. And by the way, here's some, here's some songs and fun mnemonic devices for you to remember, you know, the planets in order or, you know, show me the great lakes and that's how you, and that's all well and cute, but you know, it's, it's much better to learn how to think critically than it is to just remember things. Cause I'm actually a, a quite good at memorization. That was a big part of like my education growing up was learning poems or Bible verses or whatever. I was always working on some piece of that. And so my mind works well with memorizing, but did I actually conceptually understand uh, what I was repeating? Absolutely not. I knew the preamble to the constitution when I was like eight, I didn't even know most of the words in there, but I could repeat it to you. Did I understand any of it? No, but it's coming alive to me now that I'm old enough to put it into practice. And I'm glad it's stored away in my psyche somewhere, you know? Yeah. And, and that way now, now let's also take us out of school to the classic home learning environment, you know, just growing up. All right. Don't stick your finger in the light socket. You'll get you'll get electrocuted. Okay. <laughs> How many kids have had to eventually go touch it and get and get zapped? Oh yeah. How many kids had to touch the stove to see if they really would get burned or if mom was just punking you about that? Right, or go or, lick a pole, a frozen pole. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And look both ways before you cross the street or you're gonna get creamed by something. Right. And and so that's just curiosity. That's not really being, you know, stupid. That's just, you know, proving something to yourself. Right. Yes. And so I'll, I'll give you another example. They just wouldn't let me alone about that, you know, circular pizza pan Gleason map model thing. And, you know, you're just, only seeing it from where you live in your perspective. Have you ever traveled, bro? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And so I started looking into uh, circle of sight as a a study of, you know, how does the human eye see? How far does it see? How does perspective work? Maybe what we're observing is skewed by what other animals or creatures see because of the shape of our eye or because of the shape of our retina or, you know, cornea or whatever. And so one day I was up on a high rise, I believe it was 18 stories. Now you have to understand Ooh. when you live along the coast, it's really flat. Yeah. So I got the op- opportunity to go up on the roof of this high rise. Okay. 
And so from the roof, you could see in 180 degrees or 360 degrees, actually. Okay. Okay. And so if you stand in the middle of the roof and you look out and you turn yourself around and just keep looking straight out, you will see a circle. Yeah. The horizon is circular. Yeah. Which it would be if you were on a globe and which it would be if you were on that flat earth round model. Right. Okay. So I'm like, damn, that's confusing. I don't believe in this model, but I see a circle. Yeah. All right. Well, number one, your eyes are curved. Yeah. Number two, uh, you can only see so far into the distance. Right. So that circular horizon line is not a horizon at all other than the line of convergence. Right. It's where the sky and the land come together. Right. And that is created by perspective and and uh, distance of, of your ability to see. Right, because it's not an actual physical place. Okay, so then you get out, whip out your handy-dandy Zoom camera or telescope, and you do the same exercise. You stand there and you look around 360 degrees. Guess what you see again? A circle. Another circle, just bigger. Huh. Now... You wouldn't be able, if that horizon line were actually the curvature of the earth, you wouldn't be able to see more earth, right? a bigger circle with a telescope, unless you just improved your abilities to see distance. Right. I see what okay? you're saying. Yeah. All right. And so, and so all of these kinds of ob- observations just lead you to you know, more questions, Yeah, but they also give you more micro explanations as you go. Right. Okay. And it's not like you're making up your own dogma because you're not the only idiot that stood on the top of a building and looked in a circle. So you go look for what somebody else says about it and they explain it's your ability to see distance. It is your, um, your visual acuity it is your circle of sight because that's as far as you can see in in any direction and your eyes are curved and da 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 right all right so you can dive down as deep as you want to in any one of these sciences the science of the eyeball and how the science of perspective um you know, I mean, you can explain it to yourself pretty simply. If you're looking out over the ocean, if there were railroad tracks going out there, yeah, guess what you would see? Hello, they would get smaller course, and yeah. come to a point at the distance until they came together at a point. Right. Do you think if you went out there that they would be pointed? No, no. Okay, no, they'd be parallel. So what does that tell you about what your own eyes are doing to you? It's an optical illusion or or it's just how our optics work. Yeah. (laughs) Don't you think that might be part of God's plan? Absolutely. If I don't want you to know where you live and you don't need to know, I'm certainly not going to give you the ability to figure it out for yourself. 
Right. Because you need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you kind of come to a stopping point and you go, okay, that's as far as I can go in this direction. Right. And maybe God's telling you, hey, maybe there's more important things you need to worry about in your life than figuring this out. Right. Let me lead you back to my conversation with Job on this very same topic. Hmm. So that's, that's a truth right there. Right. Because, you know, how important is it that you, if I wanted you to know where you live, I'd have written it down. Right. It'd be in the Bible where you could easily understand it and figure it out. Well, it is in there. Yeah, I was going to say, there's some clues. You're not going to do this in like one day. Right. There's some clues that it's it's fixed or stationary or that God uses the earth as his footstool. And since he used pictures, I mean, you would never have a moving or spinning footstool. Uh, so things like that, definitely the Bible points to a stationary earth. But does he say much about the shape of it? No, uh, other than he sits at the, on the circle of the earth. But then he says, you know, the four corners of the earth, which is confusing. So is there like a, you know, pyramid shape over top of the circle map? So we have the square, the triangle and the circle all in harmony with one another. I don't, you know, it could be so many different things. Okay. So you just described years of research. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it would take years to delve into every book in the Bible that has some definition, description, you know, relation to the earth. Right. In addition to right. other ancient so books. People got into rectangular earth or square earth, as they call it, hmm. because someone decided to, okay, you know, God described the temple to Moses to build in the desert and he built it into specifications and it's a rectangle inside of a rectangle. Yeah. And all, all that is, you know, needed to understand how earth works is to look at the temple. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I dug into all of that too. And it, it acts more like a rectangle than it does. I mean, Let's let's go back to our conversation you and I had yesterday about the debate I did with um, okay. Darren and uh, Jaron and David Weiss. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and we got into the conversation of you know give me directions from Houston to to Bahrain on that circle model map. And, and tell me how to get there. Yeah. You know, well, you go east for blah, blah, blah. Wait, which way is east? East goes in a circle. Uh, how, you know, then go southwest. Wait, how does southwest work when north is in the center of the circle? Right. And, if, and yeah. so on and so on. Yes. Okay. Now, how many people do you know ride around with a globe in their car and their glove box? <laughs> no one. They all ride around with a with a square flat map. map and it's rectangular or even if it's on earth. Yeah. And so all those coordinates have been put on a flat map. How does it work area wise to put a globe, take that map off the globe and lay it down flat 
and straighten it out. And I don't know if you've ever seen what that looks like, but it's got all cuts at the top and cuts at the bottom. Oh, yeah, it looks like empty, a W almost. And empty spaces, yeah, for, you know, like there's voids. How does that work when converting to a flat square map? Yeah. But that's how we navigate. <laughs> People don't carry globes around, right? Right. Even the old sailors, they didn't carry globes around. They had a big desk, you know, big table in the middle of the captain's room with the big map on it. And it was a flat map. Yeah. And it was, you know, square or rectangular or whatever. The world's been mapped and mapped and mapped again. I mean, they got GPS coordinates right at to know what is your front door. Okay. Ask Google about that. (laughs) Ask the census workers who went around and... And literally GPS to everybody's front door. It's so wild. Pardon the heck out of me for having questions. Right. That's all. And and you know what? You may spend all of your free time learning about football or learning about boxing statistics back into the 1920s or whatever floats your boat. And I I I you know, I got no problem with that. Right. So why would you have a problem with my interest in, because I've been curious about it now for five years and I'm, and I'm no closer today <laughs> where I live. Well, that's comforting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and, and I probably never will be unless an angel comes and speaks to me or the Holy Spirit or whoever and delivers the message of, okay, God is feeling bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> you just won't give up on this. So we're going to give you a few hints right? or lay it out. But good luck trying to explain it to the rest of the world. Yeah. And honestly, I had mentioned this. I'm, I'm this close to converting my mom. <laughs> I hate to say convert, but she's one of the only people who I've spoken with is about, about this that lit up the way that I did when I came across mm-hmm. it. And um, so... Yeah, we were talking about that that same thing yesterday. And I said, even if it is a globe, you know what I mean? Because God is supernatural. But God is incredible. I He very well could have designed a globe for us to all stick out perpendicular off the side and spin around in space. He very well could do that and just be holding us together with the word of his power. I mean, he's infinite and he's powerful. But if nothing else, me researching this has led me closer to God. So I don't see that as a... a a bad thing at all. And also, if nothing else, I'm keeping my mind um, active and looking into things that never really interested me before, which are now lighting up. I mean, there's a there's a variety of benefits and you start to think about things more critically. So there's a variety of benefits, even if we end up being incorrect or, or unable to ever provide something concrete. It's it's leading me in the right direction, which is towards God and towards a critical, a, a mind that's able to think critically. So I don't see it as a, a loss. Well, and that's actually awesome testimony to somebody who's just coming into, you know, waking up about all this mm-hmm. stuff. I could add to that, that after all the years that I've been researching various topics, applying for a loan modification on my house in 2009, after the whole thing crashed yeah. and and end up getting foreclosed on because I listened to the wrong people or did the wrong thing. Yeah. Um actually didn't get foreclosed on. They 
they filed a foreclosure, which I ultimately nine years later beat. Oh, good. The point of the matter is, is that was nine years of learning about right. banking, economics, contracts, banking law. And some drudgery. Defense. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? Right. And there's a and, lot of dry stuff you have to learn or research. Oh, my God. Was that anything I was even remotely interested in? No. But I was in a fight for my investment. So, you know, I didn't have any choice. Yeah. And it was either that or listen to lawyers, which... I've never trusted my entire life for most kinds of things. And the point is, is anything that you become interested in uh, or have to fight for, then you have to learn about it. Well, like I said, they don't teach any of this stuff in school. Mm -mm. They don't teach about contracts or banking or, you know, blah. But boy, the first day of school, you walk in. And they got all these orbs up on the wall or up hanging from the ceiling from fishing line with, you know, Uranus and Saturn and Mars and yada, yada. And Pluto, maybe, maybe not. We'll see this year. It's a a planet. It's not. And why was that so important to learn about? You know, I was in school before we went to the moon. Hmm. So they didn't have diddly squat to base this stuff on. And how come you can go back to old movies of, oh gosh, what's the one? Universal. Yeah. They had a spinning globe or a globe in the Universal logo before we ever got far enough away from Earth to see it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the same thing. You look at NASA photographs of Earth from space. And no two of them are the same. They don't compare with one another. You can find one where the continent of North America covers up a quarter of the freaking globe. Yeah. What about all that gigantic amount of space between the West Coast of the U.S. and the East Coast of the Eastern continents? That's a long way. (laughs) Right? Right. I know ships go across there all the time. But guess what? They all follow shipping lanes yeah right right nobody just goes wandering off i think i'll go (laughs) this way to find a new way to san francisco harbor i mean they follow shipping lanes yeah and one of the reasons why they always follow the same same shipping lanes is because this is how much gas it's going to use fuel it's going to use and we you know are in the uh, company of others and probably not going to get pirated and safety and yada, yada. Yeah. Questioning those guys or airline pilots or anything. Yeah. I've questioned airline pilots and you know, do you see a flat horizon? Sure. You ever seen the sun below the clouds? Sure. Did you ever think anything about that? (laughs) No. Like, didn't that just like, Hmm, that's curious. You know, most people just don't think outside their box. They don't have any reason to until someone questions them about their belief system. Yeah. And And then, and then offers an an alternative. Yeah, I get that. And I, you know, a lot of people will say like, well, why does it matter? You know, and in some sense, I guess, I mean, it's not critical to like your salvation or something like that, but it's, if it if it's if they're lying to us about where we live 
doesn't that open up the possibility that they're lying about any and everything to push an agenda of sorts? Absolutely. Like the Big Bang Theory couldn't exist without a, mil- a billions year old spinning globe. And so in order to push one theory, we now have to make about 20 more to go along with it. And then a lot of people like me personally, when I looked up things like why, why don't the stars change? It's so complicated. It's so they're billions of light years away and it takes light X amount of time to come. And because they're all, you know, it's, it's, it's so arcane and sort of hard to grasp that a lot of people just shut down. At least I do. And I think that's why they've coined the term like rocket science. Oh, it's not rocket science. That's now like the pinnacle of all intelligence or or that's what we use as our plumb line for intelligence when in fact it seems to be and i'm not saying they're not intelligent please don't come for me but um they obfuscate a lot of a lot of these questions with things that are too complex for for the average person to handle you know yeah you just described neil degrasse tyson oh boy oh my gosh And Bill Nye, the science guy, yeah. who laugh at you if you question anything. I mean, that's how they start their answer. <laughs> exactly. You know, the science says, you know, physics says. Well, what about Bill? No, I don't know it. I know that's what they say. Right. But, you know, uh, where's their proof of how they arrived at their, you know, conclusion? And let's test that theory. Just like, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember asking my grandfather, Literally straight up. I mean, I was like serious as a heart attack. How come the sun is so incredibly hot that you can't even get near it? And you can feel it on your skin when you go outside. You can feel the temperature and the burning, you know, on your skin. But how come in outer space it's like cold? Right. I mean, it has to come through outer space to get here. And I remember him saying, his answer was, because outer space has no atmosphere. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't get hot. Or the I'm particles like, aren't close enough together. Or Okay. Yeah. And end of discussion, because I didn't know how to pose the next question. Yeah. You know, when I was younger. But now I do. Right. And so... um. But I'm that way with anything. I I mean, I got a bullshit detector that is like on fire all the time. (laughs) And if somebody says something to me that even remotely sounds like just made up bullshit, I I just like laugh and go, okay, now wait a minute. Can I, I I have questions. Right. (laughs) Where do you get that? I do seek to understand first, you know, um, and at least try to hold the idea in my mind because of that saying that the mark of an educated mind is the is the ability to be able to think about something without accepting it. I really do right. I really do try to mull these concepts over and over in my mind and you know get myself to see is there any shred of anything in me that would believe that and is it my religious bias or my upbringing that will not allow me to see the truth of this but it it's just odd because I feel like sometimes you can come at them with very simple questions. Like why wouldn't centrifugal force fling all the water off of the earth the way a wet tennis ball would, if it were flung around and they do the laughing and then will duh gravity, you know? So it, it becomes like you can't even approach them 
with simple scientific answers because they immediately shut you down with this is far beyond your ken, you know? Well, yeah, because gravity, which is, by the way, is still a theory and has never been proven, can can be the catch-all answer for a whole lot of things. Right. You know, holding ships upside down on Earth, then people will say, well, you just see the globe that way all the time, that it's upside down because, you know, like it's always stuck on a spindle on a desktop and that's the way it's always been configured right right or there's no up or down in space we're not on space we're in space we're on earth like that's not what i'm talking about (laughs) exactly because then i have to go all right let's go back and introduce this model that nasa put out there of we're not just spinning and we're not just traveling we're spiraling and vortexing through the universe, okay? So that would have to mean that the Earth is changing in its placement. What do you call it? Top and bottom flip the other way. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know the word either. Okay, as it's doing all of this spinning and vortexing and so on, and it makes for a really nice CGI model, let's just slow that puppy down a little bit (laughs) and see what's actually happening here right you know and what about the take it take it from sixty six thousand miles an hour down to you know even 6600 so that we can see what you're proposing that it's doing here right or the idea that it's you know i've heard recently oh it's not a not a sphere at all it's an oblate spheroid so it's it's pear-shaped or um it's it's bigger that's the way I look that, that is one. just it's it's ridiculous and show me a photo of that as well, well. If, it's a, if it's an oblate spheroid then how come on the shortest day of the year and the longest day of the year when the sun is tracking the tropic of capricorn or the tropic of cancer are the same length of day yeah okay yeah that's a tough one the tropic of capricorn is below the equator which would be the oblate part right you don't get to just say stuff without <laughs> me being able to question it and that's that you know i i have the ability to visualize in my head i didn't know most people don't have that but i happen to have that i guess that's why i'm an artist yeah and i can see what you're trying to explain in my head i see a picture of it yeah and so but i also have all that other information in there that you gave me you gave me the equator is is you know twenty four thousand nine hundred and one miles around right you gave me that right. science gave me and you gave me that the tropic of cancer on on the you know earth it, cancer and capricorn are approximately the same distance around and the same distance above and below the equator right and so you gave me all that information and now i got it in my head and i'm computing it into my model in my head and then you go and show me a sphere photograph this is supposed to be a photograph of the earth from space 
It don't look oblate to me. Yeah. Right? That looks like a perfect sphere. And everyone does. And I, I can go on Google Earth and I can, you know, zoom out. And I know that's a computer program, but you made it perfectly round. Yeah. <laughs> you did that. Well, then they'll so say it's so slight. Information. It's so slight. slight you wouldn't be able to see it or you wouldn't be able to tell from as far away. It's like, just which is it, you know? Yeah. If you can see us from space and you can get far enough to send us a, you know, photograph, which how many times have you gone on the ISS feed and, and watched their feed of them passing over earth? Yeah. Just one time, move that camera, right? Move it to the side, move it to the back, move it to turn around, do something different than that same freaking feed that is trying to impress upon me that you are 17 or how yeah, many tra- miles two, away? 208 or something and, traveling yeah, at 17,000. Yeah, 17,000. See, you got it all. You you hold this information. All you got to do is keep a notebook in your of your head. In your right. head oh, I've got a physical one here. Science tells you you're supposed to know. You're supposed to be able to remember. The problem is they don't expect anybody to cross-reference or cross-compute, cross-check this information. Right. So you don't get to make fun of me for being, uh, you know, a, a, a non-globe believer or, uh, you know, I, I don't call myself a flat earther anymore because it's so associated with that model yeah. that I don't believe in and that I've sufficiently debunked. And so, uh, you know, I'm in no man's land. Same. But at but at the same time, I got a really good memory. It's almost photographic. And uh, what is the other term? Eidetic? Eidetic, yeah. Where you remember everything you ever saw, heard, whatever in your whole life. I don't have that, but, and I hardly believe anybody's got room in their brain for all of that. <laughs> but, okay, if you say so, I, you know, I don't have anything to charge you with right i guess i think there probably right. are some people only because they say we only use 10 percent of our brain i'm sure there's somebody that can use 15 percent, which is 150 times what a normal person could hold doesn't it wouldn't sure. surprise me well and you know i'm not going to question how god made all of the different humans and for what purpose so maybe there's a purpose for somebody having a memory like that right i'm sure is you know it's not a mutation it's definitely a a gift. It's definitely yeah. a gift. Yeah. I want to know yeah, why, just... why on the ISS, they don't show any of the, whatever, 6,000 satellites that are supposedly hurtling around space at any given time. Do they oh, never have to navigate around that or, you know, push one out of the way? Or, I mean, maybe they do, but I would think we would see a steady cloud if there are 6,000 that we would see a, a steady cloud of them around the earth. And that's just my opinion. But when we start asking questions and they, you know, um, placate the masses with, oh, let's go in here and watch this woman wash her hair with a bottle of Dasani water. And, oh, look at the, the you know, little orb of water or let's do flips in the sky. And, and that's enough for some people. That's enough to well, push the fantasy. That's entertainment. That's not science. Right. But it's enough. That's all to- that is. It's just a form of entertainment. I mean, you have to understand, too, 90 percent of Everybody around today 
has grown up with space stuff on TV and movies and whatever. Right? right, all the way back to Star Trek and Star Wars, and there were there were space based movies way before Star Trek. Oh yeah, I mean, there's old black and white rocket ship movies. Oh yeah, I've seen some of them. You know, so bad. you just like laugh your ass off. They're like the original Superman movie <laughs> show. But at the same time, this has been in man's psyche their whole lives right i mean there's no one alive today that hasn't had some input of space right and aliens and spaceships and travel and because it's a very it's a beloved you know fairy tale um but you know i i always thought maybe if i hit the ocean just right i would meet a mermaid and then meet ursula and perhaps be get to become a mermaid and at some point in my life i had to uh, abandon that because i realized it's <laughs> It's absolutely not real. And um, this is, it's the same thing with, with space too, but it's, I'm sure harder to let go because it seems like a more adult or, or complex fairy tale meant only for the intelligent. <laughs> the, the meme of space has been in mankind's collective, worldview, yeah. collective consciousness forever, which is why they feed into it over and over again. Because, you know, I always wondered why, why, why was mankind always so interested in space? It seems like it would have been scary to go to space and, and like, why would we need to? But if you remember some of the early memes of going to space was because we, you know, we were just shitty to earth and we ruined it. Oh and we yes. Had, that whole know, narrative. Up or we had, you know, we, we polluted it and we had to leave. Yeah. And so we're looking for another place to go. And the flip side of that is, you know, are we alone in the universe? Well, if what would be wrong with that? Right. I mean, why is that scary that we're alone in the universe? It's no and then point. you got the, you know, the scientists with the, you know, because of evolution and the big bang and yada, yada, the chances of there not being another inhabited you know, evolved planet out there in the multiverse somewhere is impossible. Right. Vision of belief systems is pretty radically divided between those that have just absorbed what they're told to absorb and, and science proved blah blah and science says as if science is a an entity okay right itself and and those that question and you know what's bizarre about the whole flat earth concept of investigation is it covers every topic yes it covers space and God and religion. It covers geology and geography and astrology, ancient mythology. Astro yeah, yeah. everything. I mean, there's hardly anything left out that isn't doesn't get thrown into the questions. Right. Once you get into investigating flat Earth, is that you you got to throw everything out the window and start over. Yeah. When when you when you get to that place, if you don't have a pretty strong sort of center or ego or inner strength, yeah, you're 
you know, you'd stand the chance of kind of losing it. I can see how that would be very easy. It's much easier to just go along with the flow. And the more educated you are, formally educated, the more likely you are to defend your formal education. The higher you went, the, the stronger you believe. Right. Because you've had layers and levels and years of indoctrination. That you've paid of, good money for, too. Yeah, of scientism. But if you drop out even one segment of, of the belief system that it's all based on, like... If you said, okay, you can, you can believe in everything, but I'm going to get to pick one thing that you can't believe in. And you tell me if all the other shit holds together. Okay. Okay. Like you can't believe big bang because no one was there to see it. No one. So you can't start your premise of everything on big bang. Right. With a now, supposition. Go. Yeah. And that's a whole thing in and of itself. I, I you know, that whole theory falls apart under basic science from what I understand. And again, maybe I'm a simpleton. I don't have the formal education, um, but I'm, you know, I delve into things as well on my own. So I'm willing to admit. Well, but it's a pretty simple thing. It's not like it's, you know, really hard to question. Either nothing suddenly exploded and made everything or you just describe God starting the first part of creation. Right. Big Bang Theory. When was the last time you looked it up? I mean, fairly recently. Okay. And what does it? What does it? What does it say? They, what does it tell they you? They make it very, um, very magical sounding and complex. You know that there were these abundance of gases, and they all collided at a particular time to create uh, a solid space and then the primordial ooze and then, you know, our single cells crawled out and somehow created all these different species. I mean, it's very fantastical stuff, honestly. And it goes against sure. matter. And it can't... Ne Go ahead. I'm sorry. And it can never be replicated. Not in any way, shape or form, not even spontaneous generation of, you know, whatever the flask thing was where the, the man was trying to produce life in the, even yeah. that wasn't conclusive. So I, I don't understand how we're calling it science and not scientism because it requires just as much faith to believe that also if, if the universe is infinite and ever expanding, what on earth chance is there for a perfect uh, amalgamation of all these elements to come and form a sphere or an oblate spheroid, I'm sorry, with all the different layers and the tectonic plates and the atmosphere of compressed gas and the perfect rotation distance from the sun so that we don't burn up or freeze. It's like, that's just too ordered to just be an accident. Well, if in billions of years, all of this stuff happened on earth, Darwinian style, okay? Evolutionary style. Right. But in all those billions of years, the core of the earth, Never cool down any. Right. With all this spinning and flying and vortexing, it never cooled down any. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure it did. It cooled down a lot. Okay. When? when and when did it stop? Now you're saying we're going to get global warming. Okay. Or climate change. What? And you're saying it's carbon, you know, blah, blah. What does that got to do with the core of the earth? Yeah. That, that what's going on out here is nothing to do with what's going on inside. Right. Right. 
and you need all of that to keep gravity working, right? Yeah. And you need all that for the spinning to keep happening. Right. And you need all that. You need all of that that's going on in the middle in here that's never altered for billions of years to change our trajectory, our spin, our atmosphere, our speed, nothing. Yeah, not a thing. And you think I'm crazy for questioning that? <laughs> right. I'm a tard? Right. Because I don't buy that? Or it's very clear that you've laid out, you know, in the, the laws of thermodynamics, matter can't be created nor destroyed. Okay, but except for just this once, it was. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And then, all, exactly. <laughs> and then entropy, everything everything orderly tends towards disorder. And the way that I had a, and a teacher explain this to me is that if you took a glass bottle and threw it against a wall, it would shatter into a number of pieces. You might be able to pick them back up and glue them back together. But if you took those pieces and threw them back against the wall, the chances of that becoming a glass bottle again, arranged in the same way that it was before, it, it's just not, it's not ever, ever going to happen. And that's how most things tend to decay or erode or whatever. Science tells us that. And yet, in this one instance, though, we've had a series of very favorable mutations that um, life was the inevitable outcome of this. And it's like, what? what? Which one is it? Again, you know, and I'm just coming at it from a very a simpleton in science's perspective. It's just, okay, if things tend toward disorder, how did we all come from one single-celled prokaryote swimming around in a sea of primordial ooze some of us grew fins some of us grew gills some of us are monkeys and rabbits and it's like i I couldn't believe that not for any reason i might as well believe i'm living in middle earth in the the freaking hobbit you know or something like well exactly or you're living in a supernatural construct (laughs) whereby the rules of the code of the game have been changed to over time which is more believable. Never forget that possibility. That's true. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the only way though, that all, all the, you know, infinitesimal degree of, you know, 4,628 to the power of 4 billion chances <laughs> of everything happening the way you say it happened or it was created. Right. Now, you know, that's easier to explain for me. And that's yeah. easier to accept. But it, it, you know, for people that that it's not easier for, I wonder why. And I think part of it is, it, if you're comfortable being agnostic or atheistic, I mean, there's a certain sort of mentality or philosophy that goes along with that. And if you were to find out that you were in fact created, and that there was a God, that automatically makes you wonder, well, what, what, how am I related to this God? Am I accountable to this God? And people would rather not deal with that discomfort either. It's way simpler, again, to chalk everything up to a natural process. And then I don't have to be accountable to anybody because I'm just and an evolutionary. Yeah, I'm just an accident. I'm a happy accident. That's, that's the bottom line right there. You don't have to be judged. Right. And it's easier to believe in something that, you know, you can't explain. And the bonus points are you you won't be judged right. for your life. Right. Then there is a power greater than you and that power made you and you will be judged. Right. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people have the problem with the judged and the ownership. Huh. They don't 
they don't they they're okay with the fact of biology that my parents made me so therefore they created me so therefore they own me but only till i'm of the age right. of maturity 18 and then they don't owe me any own me anymore right the alternative of god created you and everything around you and you're going to be owned until the day you die yeah. and then you're going to be judged by the life that you led um even though you have an interceder, you know, an interceder in there that's always also been explained to you, but you don't want to believe in that either. Right. So or intercessor, the people that find this kind of conversation interesting, thought provoking, will listen to this podcast or podcasts like it. Yeah. And to you, I give my kudos. And those who are not interested, you won't mind that I just call you non-player characters um, because in my worldview, that's what you are. You're not interested in anything about life, the universe, and everything, really. And you're satisfied with the indoctrinated education that you received. And you, you, you're absolved of any further responsibility in your personal education or advancement and you don't have to believe what I or JJ believes listen and look go experimenting or observing out into the wild which is where we are (laughs) (laughs) is a testament to the red pill because I truly believe that something wakes you up It either is something that occurred and happened to you that jolted you out of, you know, your singular reality, or I like to believe that the Holy Spirit, an arm of the creator, came to you and tapped you on the shoulder or whispered in your ear while you were sleeping and said, hey, time to wake up. Yeah. We've got, we've got, we've got things for you to do. Okay. Because to me, there's really no reason to wake anybody up unless there is uh, either an advantage or a job in it. Hmm. And if you, if you look at it as you have just been designated a truth warrior and it's up to you because all these lies are what is enabling the new world order, the great reset people, the powers that be, the controllers, the Illuminati, whatever, whatever, whatever secret group you want to call it, whose mission is to control as much of the world as they can. Okay. They want to control the people. They want to control the economy and the banking system and the laws and the governments and the rules of the world. And it, you couldn't get a more perfect example of that than what we just are going through with a worldwide lockdown of every, basically every country on earth and everybody in it. That should be enough testimony to you that they can do it. Yes. They can control us all. And they, they've, they've created these wonderful systems for us to make everything so easy to operate. Ha ha ha. Yeah. But they invented cell phones for you. 
Yes, they make money off of it, but they've used them to connect you and control you and, and to absorb your data. Right. They've made televisions for you. You know, I could go on cars, boats, trains, automobiles, planes, car, you know, phones, electric washers and dryers. <laughs> I mean, you name it. They made somebody invented all of that and somebody selling all of that. And then somebody else came along and said, we want to put a chip in that because we worry about how much of this is going in the landfill. So we're going to put a chip in that. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're going to put a chip in that box of Cheerios that you bought because <laughs> we want to know where it went, how long you had it and where it ended up in the landfill or whatever. And you'd say, well, God, that's like a whole lot of work for nothing. Well, somebody's got a plan for why they did that, why they're going to do that. Why would they put shipping tracks, tracking chips in uh, toasters, hmm. microwave, right. television, all throwaway stuff, right? Right. Why would they put tracking chips in all of that? I mean, there are, there are little miniature, you know, barcode, RFID, readable, GPS, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the technology is so minute now that they put that in every damn thing they manufacture. Right. I mean, probably just to build a more comprehensive database. For what? I guess to find out who who are the dissenters so that if they were to come, you know, well, good, look, 90% of people are going to just accept this with no problem because we're not letting this crisis go to waste and, and all of that. But these 10% are obviously opposed to the issue. So let's, I mean, they could very well, I guess, make things not work or malfunction or I, I don't know. It, it could be a, I wouldn't be surprised by any of it. All right. So let's go back to a few of the actual real comments that these controller types have made. Okay. Like Bill Gates. If we improve our vaccine vaccinations and we get these vaccines to all of these people in these poor countries and everything, we can reduce the population by X percent. Yeah. Really? Right. There's a sort of a problem there. You know, I was with you until you said reduce. reduce right. <laughs> if we really okay. wanted to reduce it, let the virus run run wild then. Well, they had a one-child policy in China for how long? Right. For crying out loud. And how many people are in China now? Right. Over a billion. Right. Okay. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, and, and there have been genocide promoters and eugenic promoters. As a matter of fact, Bill Gates's father was one of the biggest ones. Right. Yeah. And, and so not genocide, but eugenics. It's the same difference, only, you know, just want to prevent you from getting here before you do right. versus killing you off once you're here. That, you know, there's kind of laws against that. Right. But there's really no laws against the prevention of making sure you never, never get here. Get, right. And that's one of the Georgia Guidestones too. guide reproduction wisely. Which is yeah. like, what on earth? It's it's my choice, yeah. you know? No, but it's not anymore. Right. And and you'll be shamed if you have too many children. Right. There's people at the top who have, think they have brilliant ideas with their groups and committees and meetings and plans. And, you know, they, they really 
have an agenda. Now, whether or not their agenda is benevolent or malevolent or malevolent disguised as benevolent is, is only determined by how far you dig deep into their plans. Right. They use shame and guilt on people readily. Like, raise your hand if you want to keep polluting the earth and <laughs> destroying nature. Okay? Nobody, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to raise their hand. So by virtue of the way they asked the question, you already gave them your permission to come up with ways to prevent us from doing that. All right. Right. And like they never would have been able to create the nuclear bomb and then therefore years later create nuclear, you know, disarmament and deproliferation and all the other stuff. The fact is you already made that bomb and you already used it. Yeah. And you've been testing it for a long time. And after the very first use, you should have gone, okay, no, that was bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we can all agree we should never do that again. Right. Okay. And the Space Force, the military government Space Force. Yeah. I wish you could see the arm of the military that's supposed to replace the, the, uh, army making space force for the purpose of militarizing space around earth to prevent bad guys from doing bad stuff right and to be a first um in line to prevent bad aliens from coming in and getting us right oh god i mean you know what i'm just I'm just, you can't help but laugh at some of it. And it's their own damn fault that we laugh because they don't really give us the truth. If they did, we would know it and we would buy it. Right. But they're hiding something. So they make stupid stuff up and we see through it. Like, you know, like we talked about earlier with the given, given, important people vaccines with the cap on right or through their shirt or without any glove you know and blasting that on the tv and you're like but wait a minute we see right <laughs> it's like a really bad magician wait we saw you palm that card. right and then they just pull another <laughs> quarter out of your ear and you know <laughs> yeah and so anyway all right i'm gonna uh call it a wrap for this conversation okay um i've enjoyed it immensely hope you oh, have absolutely and i know i've talked more than you audience can attest to that well, but um, you have more information you'll, you'll push in you'll push in there faster i'm sure as we, as we meet again i'm sure right um so thank you for joining me and uh for our maiden voyage of the uss pressure valve <laughs> and uh we'll meet again soon and We'll just keep putting it out there. That sounds great. And thank you for having me. All right. Have a good day. Oh, you too. Bye-bye.